0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's Boom.
2: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Before we get into Opponent Tuesday, I want to remind you about the Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. All you have to do to enter is go to iTunes, leave a review of this podcast with your name, and your Twitter handle in it. Every week, we're going to pick someone to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription, which gets you access to things like player grades, position ranks, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, charts, more information than you could possibly need, but all information you could certainly use. Remember, every Thursday, Jeff Radcliffe from Pro Football Focus is going to be on Locked On Fantasy, and Mike Renner will be on Locked On NBA every Wednesday. And it is Opponent Tuesday. Justice Mosqueda from Setting the Edge is going to be here to talk about all sorts of things because we have all sorts of things to talk about. Before we get to Justice, we have to talk about the Packers' injury situation, something we have to do seemingly every day now. The Packers released an injury report from Monday, even though they didn't practice on Monday. And some interesting things happened, some good, some bad. Added to the injury list, Kyle Murphy did not participate with a foot injury. That means the Packers top three offensive tackles are on the injury report right now. Brian Bulaga did not participate with an ankle injury. Again, these are these are projections. So this is what the Packers project would happen if they had practiced on Monday. That means the injuries to Brian Bulaga and Kyle Murphy are significant. David Bakhtiari was listed as being a limited participant. That's what he would have been with his hamstring injury. That at least opens the door that he could play. Brian Belaga was a limited participant last week and did play. Bakhtiari was not. And obviously he did not play. Mike Daniels, with his hip injury, a limited participant. He could play on Thursday. We don't know what his situation is, but this is an upgrade in his injury status. The same for Nick Perry, which is interesting because he's coming off finger surgery. He was listed as a limited participant. Jake Ryan, a limited participant. Now, added to the injury list in addition to Kyle Murphy. Ty Montgomery was a limited participant with a wrist. Quinton Dial, limited participant with a chest. Randall Cobb, I should have mentioned him earlier, he was listed as a projected limited participant because of his chest injury and Kentrell Bryce, a limited participant with the groin. This is a mash unit for the Packers. And the offensive tackles right now, that's the biggest concern. They won a game without Nick Perry, without Jake Ryan, without Mike Daniels, without Randall Cobb. They can beat the Bears without those guys. They can beat the Bears without Devon House. It's going to be really tough to beat the Bears without your three best offensive tackles, including your two starters, because it means guys like McCray need to step in. And frankly, we don't even know who the other starter at offensive tackle would be at this point. We don't know how they would approach that situation. So the Packers have to hope that the ankle from Bulaga – Takes a day or two to get back, and and by Wednesday or Thursday at game time, he can go. And they have to hope that David Bakhtiari is going to be okay. Now, Kyle Murphy did finish the game, but David Bakhtiari finished the game in week one after he hurt his hamstring and couldn't play the next two weeks. So that's no guarantee that those guys are going to be ready to go by Thursday, and this is a short week. So that's something that the Packers are going to have to get sorted. And it's something that we're going to have to watch as the week goes on. I teased it yesterday about the shows the next two days. Next week, legendary Packers writer Bob McGinn is going to join the program. But what I think we're going to do is have him on the Thursday show. So we're going to have Expert Tuesday and Bob McGinn in the same week. We're going to have him on Thursday to talk Packers-Cowboys. Bob is is a Hall of Famer, former Journal Sentinel writer. He's semi-retired in the offseason and then started uh, with his own website, his his own microsite. It's not even fair to call it a microsite; it's his website, mm-hmm. and um, it is a pay a pay for play site that I highly recommend that you check out. He is one of the best to ever cover the Green Bay Packers, and his insight um, is something that I think everyone can benefit from. Okay, we're gonna get to Justice Mosqueda from setting the edge. He is one of the more unique voices, I think, that cover the Packers. Um, Part of that is because he comes from a very analytical side, and there's a lot of really cool insight that he has. His writing has been all over the place. Bleacher Report, Setting the Edge is his site with Charles McDonald, who we heard a couple weeks ago to talk about the Falcons game. So let's get to that right now. Justice, thanks for joining Lockdown Packers. Anytime, whenever you want me, Peter. I appreciate that. So you were on the Acme Packing Company blog last week, or podcast last week. Shout out to those guys. And you you brought up some of the advanced numbers on the Packers. They didn't look great. And then they go out and almost lose to the Bengals. So do you feel any differently about this team a week later?
1: Um, I Honestly, so as a Packers fan, right, I'm putting my Packers fan hat on. Um, right, I'm, excited. I'm excited that they were able to pull out that game because, I mean, basically, I think there's six players on their roster right now who are making $10 million per year or more on their contracts, right? And one of them threw a touchdown for the other team, and the other one's Clay Matthews, who has, I mean, maybe washed isn't the right term, but has been washed for the past two years, right? Um, yep. So the fact that they were able to survive with that amount of just pure talent relative to what they have on the roster, you know, basically on the bench, you know, in street clothes... I think that was a good sign, but on the offensive side, I mean, I don't really see anything from Ty Montgomery that would make me think anything different of this team or the offensive line without, you know, knowing that they don't have their total starting package in there. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not really that surprised. I will say the one thing that's very interesting about Aaron Rodgers, is if you look at him, uh, there's this statistic called A N Y A, which is basically just yep. the net yards per attempt. It's very um, It's very good in terms of predictive of of, uh, who's going to win games. Uh, And basically what it is is it's net passing yards, which is including sacks, and then it counts touchdowns as 20 yards and interceptions as 45. And it measures how many yards you should be getting per play. If you look at the splits between Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, between the 15s and then within 15 yards, it's tremendous. Like basically between 15 yards – you know, Aaron Rodgers is basically a league average quarterback or a slightly above average quarterback. And when you get him in the red zone, he's the best quarterback in the game. And that's basically who he is, um, which is interesting to me only because we, we, we've seen this offense stall so much uh, just between the 20s, basically.
2: Yeah, and then when they get down in the red zone, it seems like automatic Rodgers has this – yeah, he has this ability <laughs> – He's gonna run around. He's gonna do a thing, and that's even without someone like Randall Cobb, who can create mismatches on the option route. I mean, we saw against Atlanta, even without the bogus Jeronimo Allison offensive pass interference call, Cobb won that route at the top of his, at the at the top of the route. Like he was open regardless of what Jeronimo Allison was gonna do. I, I don't I don't know where the offense goes this week. They might not have like any starting offensive tackles worth even mentioning to play on Thursday against the bears.
1: Right. And the thing about the thing about Chicago is they're kind of deep uh, in that front. I know, I know a lot of people don't think about them in that way, mostly because they were a team that lost a bunch of games last year. And that's what happens when the team loses a bunch of games. But in terms of what they have on the defensive line and the edges, like guys like a team Hicks, um, no one knew about Akeem Hicks basically until he signed an extension and then had a big week one game. He was probably a top five, you know, 3-4 defensive end last year. Um, they have, you know, they have guys like Pernell McPhee and Leonard Floyd, an outside linebacker, two guys who basically, you know, they've been staples of the league for a while. I know Leonard Floyd's only been here for a year, but, you know, he's been a big-time college pass rusher before that. Um, Eddie Goldman's come come back from injury. Even guys like uh, Mitch, I can't say his last name. It starts with a U. Um I think that's how you say it. I'm not totally sure. I listen to these games uh, on mute. I watch every defensive lineman for uh, Bleacher Report, uh, NFL 1000. But he's a guy who's kind of surprised me over the last two years doing that project. Um, This defensive line is legitimate, and it should be scary for this Packers run game. Um, What I would say, though, is Chicago, uh, outside of that front five, basically, they have a bunch of questions. I mean, their inside linebacker unit's banged up already, and safety and cornerback has been a question for them for basically the better part of the last three years.
2: Yeah, one of my favorite running subplots of of people who cover the NFL is no one knows how to pronounce anyone's name.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it happens, man. Like I'm (laughs) I'm watching these defensive linemen, I have to watch like it's it's something close to like ten of them per team. So like you get to you get you start getting up into the thousands and nah, I can't do it. I can't keep up with everyone.
2: One of my favorite ones, and look, I love Bill Barnwell. I've loved Bill Barnwell for a long time. He cannot pronounce Alvin Kamara's name to save his life. He insists Camara? on pronouncing you No, know, he keeps calling him Camera. Like like a digital camera. <laughs> Perfect. Uh there's
1: a kid coming up from Washington State whose last name is Hercules Mataafa, and I'm I'm certain people are gonna mess that thing up.
2: Oh yeah. I'm I you might I think you did it right, but like you might have not, and I I'm like I'm nervous for when I have to say it at some point because I'm sure I will.
1: <laughs> Packers will be begging for him, and in the, in the uh, Packers fans, at least, will be begging for him by April. So we'll, we'll have yeah. some time to catch up by then.
2: <laughs> so speaking of names that are difficult, difficult to pronounce, it, it's not hard to pronounce. There's just so many names on the injury report right now that, like, you can't get through. Like, we don't have time to go through them all, or we'll run out of time on the podcast. So. Yeah. What what I'm looking at right now is who, if you could just pick like two players to come off the injury report for Thursday and be ready to play, just pick and like regardless of what their situation is right now at this moment in terms of their injury, who would you take off the injury report and say the Packers need these two guys?
1: I think I think it would be the offensive tackles. I think that's a pretty easy call in my opinion. I think Green Bay right now, last year I probably would have said Lane Taylor and uh, Jason Peters out in Philadelphia, but right now David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga are the best offensive tackle, you know, the best bookend pairing in the NFL. Um, Green Bay runs a bunch of five-man protection, which is why Ty company only gets in trouble about once every five plays in pass protection. Uh, you look at the New York Giants. The New York Giants under Ben McAdoo basically do the same thing where it's a lot of, like, isolation tackles, and for them it does not help at all because they do not have – David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga. Um, The way that I would explain it is the Packers basically on the offensive line are like the Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M version of like an NFL team where like Aaron Rodgers is Johnny Manziel and that he can move around. And then Texas A&M had all those first round picks. And, you know, Cedric Abui, Jake Matthews, I'm spacing on the other name. There's probably another one uh, who are first round picks at the time. And uh, that's basically what Green Bay has. Green Bay has a first round pick version of like David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga. Um, A lot of what they do in the passing game is based off of the fact that Aaron Rodgers can move around a lot. And without them, I mean, their offense is – it's pretty clear at this point. Their offense is restricted when they don't have them because their receivers really don't have the deep speed that can keep teams honest in one-on-one matchups. Um, I would probably say on the defensive side, it's easily Mike Daniels though. I mean, that guy's a beast. He's probably – he was on pace for a Pro Bowl season. I want to say in the week one – only one player had more tackles at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield than, than uh Mike Daniels, and it was Calais Campbell who set the Jacksonville Jaguars sack record in his first game with them going against, you know, high school offensive tackles in uh with, with the uh Houston, Texans.
2: Jermaine Fetty was the other of yeah. Texas m offensive it was. line. Yeah, two cool hands. And, and by the way, only like half of those three players that you mentioned are, are any good in the NFL. But you can say, uh, one,
1: third. You can say one third. Don't be scared.
2: <laughs> oh no! I was I was talking about Jake Matthews as being half. He's like half a good player.
1: He's been he's been ha- he's been good on this half of his career. Yeah,
2: right. Uh, but that was I, it. Was interesting that you that you bring that up because that's what I was thinking of when you were talking earlier about Rogers in you know between the twenties because earlier in his career. He had Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson to challenge teams deep, even a little bit of Donald Driver at times. This offense with Devontae Adams and a diminished Randall Cobb and an, an obviously diminished Jordy Nelson, like they don't have that. And I've been wondering for a couple years now, at what point, you know, a couple years ago it was Jeff Janice, but now it's Trevor Davis, at what point do you just say, we need to take one or two shots down the field just to loosen up defenses, just to give them something to think about?
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, don't quote me on this because it came from Twitter.com and I can't remember who tweeted it out, but I think Trevor Davis played more uh, snaps on special teams than he did on offense. Like, the, the Packers basically ran a three-receiver offense uh, on Sunday. So, um, I, I don't know. And, like, it's it's very weird because you hear things like Chris Collinsworth, who was doing the Sunday Night Football game when uh, Green Bay was playing in Atlanta, what was it, two weeks ago now? If you want to count that as two weeks, it's like eight days or something like that. Um, where he was saying that, you know, Mike McCarthy's talking to Aaron Rodgers and he's saying, you know, we got to kind of hold him back because all he wants to do is spread out teams and like he'd just do that if he was in charge. It's like, well, that's kind of what works because the running game's not working with these backup offensive linemen in. I mean, Corey Lindsley by far has the most experience on this offensive line that they're trotting out right now, and that's not necessarily a good sign when Corey Lindsley was basically battling with J.C. Treader for playing time his entire career. Um, and Ty Montgomery was a receiver at this point last year, so... I don't know, man. Like, I, it, to be honest, I, I would probably, I would probably think about running this team in trips with the Y isolation on uh, Martellus Bennett a lot. But it seems like they're getting some production out of Lance Kendricks, you know, out, out of seemingly nowhere. So I, I, I don't, I don't know what to think of this team. I think they're doing the right thing by keeping Ty Montgomery in, um, but him going out and basically leaving isolation five when their offensive tackles are, you know, they're third, fourth and fifth string offensive tackles aren't a great situation.
2: Yeah, and I think we saw it against Cincinnati it, when when a team can rally to the ball against Ty Montgomery, you know, like it's tough because the, the Bengals did a good job of of limiting him after the catch. He didn't look great. I mean, sometimes that just happens. I think in the open field against most teams he's going to give them problems, but a lot of the Packers offense right now is based on yards after the catch. And if teams are going to tackle well, their offense looks limited. It was just through some deception and a little bit of luck that they created a couple big plays, that Kendrick's play that you mentioned. If if they go into the Bears game with the same personnel healthy that they did for the Bengals game, it seems like we're in line for a lot of two tight end sets.
1: I, I think that would make sense i think that would make sense on both ends because i think chicago would try to play that game too you got to remember um chicago basically spent a second round pick on a backup offensive or a backup tight end in adam shaheen and he was like playing d2 ball and then uh they signed another guy uh deon sims to compete with zach miller last year so i, I think both ends would probably like to play uh lots of tight ends you know low scoring type of game honestly just based on like how chicago because chicago's off or uh wide receiver Situation isn't much better than uh, the Packers. I mean, they were relieved that Marcus Wheaton is able to play for him now. So that tells you a little bit of where where Chicago is at. Um, I will say that, like, I do think that Jordan Nelson, Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams, you know, they, they probably should be on the field the majority of the time. Just if we're looking at how talented these skill players are like they're they're of the more more talented guys and honestly Geronimo Allison like has Martellus Bennett really showed anything to us that makes us think that having him on the field is more significant than having Geronimo Allison as that fourth receiver on the field because I'm not I'm not sure if I'm willing to take that stance
2: I mean certainly not to this point certainly not with the way Bennett has has played in the passing game I mean I tweeted this out during the game he's been a net negative in the passing game I agree and, and that you just you can't abide that. Like, I understand he's a great blocker, but you need more than that if you're the Packers. Now, if you're just gonna let him play in line and and as you said, if they if they go two wide receivers, two tight ends, like they did a lot against Cincinnati, they could use Kendricks. He has the skill set to play on that isolation side, and then you can go trips with Adams Nelson and Bennett, Bennett can can chip or do whatever. Like those are those are options that they have. But you're right, Geronimo Allison. And I was I was having this conversation with someone the other day. Doesn't he look quicker and stronger this year than he did last year? I mean, he looks he looks like a different receiver.
1: Yeah, and he was a guy. I can tell you this from just my draft break, my draft uh, background. I know a lot of people liked him down. I believe it was the Shrine Game because I didn't go to the Shrine Game. When I was at the Senior Bowl that year. Uh, a lot of people said that he was a riser. Um, there that he, he was kind of impressing people and that no one really knew who he was. I mean, Geronimo Allison, basically, other than other than that suspension, I mean, he's kind of checked off every box that you can have in terms of being a professional as far as coming from that that college free agent background. Um, I, honestly, like, other than Jordy, like, I, I wouldn't surprise me if Geronimo Allison going into next year. You know, the contract situations with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb are kind of up in the air. Devontae, at least, is young, Right. Um, young and not paid, uh, Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson both have huge cap hits uh, relative to their talent. Um, it would not surprise me if this team kind of went all in by the end of the year on Geronimo Miles and like being a number two wide receiver or
2: something. Okay, but you uh, you have also been on the the Packers don't need Randall Cobb train for like a solid year now.
1: <laughs> I was on the Packers don't need Randall Cobb train before they extended him because basically this was, this was my point back then. Uh, Randall Cobb basically had twice as many touchdowns out of the slot as any wide receiver had had in the pro football focus era because the pro football focus was uh, the team that was basically charting where receivers were getting these touchdowns from. And my whole point was that's basically unsustainable. You're going to be paying a slot receiver at the rate of a high-end number one outside receiver, and that's basically what they're getting out of Cobb right now, and he's not really necessarily making those big plays. I mean, what's the last huge play that Randall Cobb has made. It was against the uh, Chicago Bears a couple years ago, that, that Week 17 game.
2: I mean, that was the first play that came to my mind. But, but I mean, that that can't be it, right? Wasn't that t- the – you're talking about the game winner on fourth down.
1: Right, right, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of what when the last huge Randall Cobb play is. Because, like, Jordy Nelson, at least – Jordy Nelson, if nothing else, he's a very good possession receiver who can make those comeback routes, right, where basically if a guy is over you – in coverage and man on man coverage at ten yards. He'll cut back at fifteen and Aaron Rodgers will put it right on his numbers every single time he'll get his feet down. Um Randall Cobb working in the middle of the field, you don't necessarily have those same type of opportunities. And that kind of hurts Cobb if he you know he if he loses a step, that hurts him more than anything else. I mean Jordy Nelson right now, if nothing else, I mean he's is he better than New Hopkins? Like at the same type of game, I would probably say yes. Uh Randall Cobb in the slot, that's not necessarily a spot where you can kind of lose a step and lose production and still be paid at a high level and be worth it on your contract.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. 2014 was the last great season Randall Cobb had. I mean, 127 targets, 91 receptions, a little under 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. Since then, I mean, he almost, just combined almost hasn't matched that. Justice, we could we could do this all day. We could talk. There's There's a lot of issues and a lot of stuff to talk about with the Packers. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find your your content aside from the twitter.com but but please also tell them about that
1: yeah so you can find me on twitter uh, at j1mosq if you want to see a bunch of josh jones uh gifts i suggest you go follow that um Jew Musk. Uh, you can find you can find my work at bleacher report i write about nfl defensive linemen for the nfl 1000 project we do previews and we do reviews for every single week of the college or the uh, nfl football season and then I write on a website called settingedge.com. Uh, we have a podcast. It has more five-star reviews than Peter King. Uh, and we, we put up, you know, NFL content, college football content, NFL draft content uh, basically every day on there uh, for the people. And it's kind of more in-depth stuff. If you guys like in-depth stuff, it's not necessarily, you know, lists and rankings and things like that. It's more digging, digging in deeper. Like you, you referenced uh, the update, which was basically, you know, Stats, volume stats told through efficiency and things like that, things of that nature. So go check that out too.
2: I love the Peter King shit there. That was great. That's just casual. Just <laughs> drop that.
1: That's our enemy, mortal enemy.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Justice. Yeah, anytime, man. I want to thank Justice again for joining us on Lockdown Packers. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at JUMOSQ. Follow him on Twitter. He, he tweets out, like Joe Goodberry last week, he tweets out a lot of the, the nuggets that that are the kernels of ideas that become pieces on his website that he'll then explain further. So um, And, and I, I should point out, too, that Charles McDonald, since we did that interview, um, is going to be writing for Football Outsiders, which is maybe my favorite national site for an analytics perspective. So check that out. Again, I, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Please... Go to the iTunes page, leave a review for Lockdown Packers, put your name and your Twitter handle in the review, and you could win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription and get all the good data, the fantasy football winning data. It's there. It's so easy for you to have it, and you probably don't have it. So go get it. Remember, for news and updates, FanRag Sports, Acme Packing Company blog, my Twitter feed, at Peter underscore Bukowski. and always, 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 especially on Bears Week, stay locked on Packers.
0: The list. the list.